Kicking off hour two, Sportsnet today from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For our friends, Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems or visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Jays, one of four teams to be swept in their respective wildcard series. Now we get to preview the four divisional round series. And no one we'd rather do that with than our next guest. From MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast, welcome in our pal Adnan Verk. Mr. Verk, good afternoon, sir. Hey, Logo, what's going on, man? What kind of news we got there going? Sounds like a party there in Calgary. I'm just waiting for your karaoke version of some Rod Stewart. You know, that's so funny. So I, was, I went to the Eagles game last Sunday, and afterwards the boys were really thirsty. My kids, thank God, they drink water, which is such a rarity, I find. I never want juice. So I'm like, oh, Dad, can we get some water? I'm like, I will gladly pay for bottled water. And we stop at somewhere on the New Jersey Turnpike, and they're playing that song. I go, Rod Stewart, Rhythm of My Heart. I go, I haven't heard this song in forever. I go, this is a banger. Like, I, I don't think I'm a big Rod Stewart guy, but no downtown train, a few other ones. But I'm like, Rhythm of My Where's it again? Rhythm of the Night, Rhythm of the Heart. I even forget the song now. Oh, that rhythm was of my, rhythm of the heart. Yeah. Ah, oh, the rhythm of my heart is beating like a drum. I go if I and I've never done karaoke. I go if I did karaoke, I bet you the place would go nuts for that song. I bet you they would. I think they'd love that. We'll have to make that happen sometime. A couple karaoke joints. You know, so that that hair is tough to pull off. Like I, I call it the YouTube, I go, I go, I can't get behind the look. I go that mullet. That's a tough look. I go, but you know what? I bet you women of a certain age they're kind of going nuts for Rod Stewart. Let's be honest. Absolutely. How was Philly, pal? It was great, man. One thing about Philadelphia, I'm lucky, as you know, living in North Jersey. Before I moved here, someone said to me, hey, North Jersey is New York and South Jersey is Philly. I'm like, okay. So then I understood the difference between the two. And I'm always amazed how close it is. Like, I'm like, oh, man, Philadelphia, that's that's far. And it's an hour 45. And if you can beat the traffic, which can be an issue sometimes. But for an Eagles game, obviously it built up once we got closer to the stadium. But it was awesome, man. The fans were so passionate. I had a cheesesteak at the game, along with bottled water, and it was uh, it was great. The weather was perfect. God, uh, for Canadians, I will do it in Celsius. Plus 24 and sunny, slight Ooh. breeze. So it was pretty beautiful. My kids really enjoyed it, man. Thank you for asking. No, of course. I was curious if the boys got their first taste of Eagles fandom, if they were loving it. Uh, imagine weather was good. The game was really good. I saw your seats uh, on social media. look like you guys had a fantastic time. It was great to hear, man. And uh, Eagles 4-0, and got to be feeling good about your boys right now. <laughs> The only thing, Logan, you know what this is like. And when, you, when you're putting a lot of money towards something, you better get some investment. So the good news is, as you said, we saw an exciting game. They won in overtime. One of my kids was like, oh, we got, you, you got your money. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, it was overtime. We got free football. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but it, I, I would have just taken the win. I would have you know, avoided yeah. Stan Howell looking like Joe Montana on the final drive. <laughs> and we could have just left rather than Jay Kelly having hit a 54-yard field goal. But I said, listen, you're right. He goes, listen, if you went to a hockey game, wouldn't you cheer to shoot out just to have more hockey as long as you know the Flyers are going to win? I go, I understand your point, but no. I'd like a convincing victory. I'd like to pulverize the <laughs> opponent. I would have taken 31-10 instead. But, yeah, it was, it was a good scene, man. And, you know, I've made this argument before. I'm curious your take. Every other sport, if I said use it better in person or at home, of course in person. If it's a Flames game, if it's a Blue Jays game, if it's a Raptors game, but for some reason, football is so much better at home. And that's why I was kind of hesitant. Like, my kids really wanted to go, and obviously the Eagles are great. I took out, paid the money. But I kind of went in going, is this just better at home? And the reason why I think is a couple reasons. Now, I'm not a fantasy guy, but I, of course, love all football, as do you. So I think when you're at the game, you're kind of missing what else is happening. Like, Wait, what happened? The, the, you know, the Broncos came back against the Bears. Like, what? Oh, the Bills are, like, putting it on the Dolphins. So I think that's part of it. When you're at the game, you feel like you're missing something else. 
And also, to me, it's just such a TV thing. Like when I'm now, here's the surprise: the link, which is a new stadium, fantastic sight lines. Like we were, it's two seventy-five a ticket. We're in the upper tank, row sixteen, and yet I could see everything. And on a big play, you know, this with hockey, the higher up, the better. So when yeah. Hertz goes to AJ Brown's deep, I go, "This is actually a great view. If you're too close, it's not nearly as exciting." So. I think in general, football is the one sport that is better at home. But I'll be honest, the experience was so good, and the warm-ups are great. And when they get announced, the kids were going nuts, right? Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, they go nuts. I'm like, I I don't know. You give me your take. As a football fan, avid football fan, would you rather watch at home or there? That's a tough one. I do. I love Red Zone, man. I I love a good Sunday on the couch, checking in with everything. But I I think being up in Canada and and going as – infrequently as I do, and I wish I could change that. I look back at the few times that I've been to an NFL stadium and gone, man, I love it, because it's just such a treat, right? It's just it's something so new, and you know, look, I mean, McMahon Stadium holds 30-some thousand here on a, on a good day for the, uh, for a, a really good day for the CFL team. It's something different. I've been to Mile High Stadium. I've obviously been to MetLife, and it's something about just the, the 60, 70 thousand fans at an NFL game that makes it pretty special, so I gotta be honest. I could go. I could go both ways, but it's probably because the NFL games are such a treat for me. I think you're right. When you don't do it all the time, it becomes more special when you're there. Like now, I was thinking. Like now that I've done it, and listen, left the house nine fifteen, got there eleven thirty, parked. Like okay, two hours fifteen minutes. Getting out's a hurdle, as we know. Game in yep. at four thirty five. Took a while to find the car. Forty five minutes out of the parking lot. Like, it's an adventure, but I'm kind of with you. If it's a treat, it's special. And by the way, correct to my kids, I was like, what well, if I told them how expensive I'm like, this is like a thousand dollar day. They're like, oh, what's that? We don't have to go every year. We can go every other year. Like, no, oh, no, I, I'm kind of with you. Like, it's a rite of passage. Like, it's that, that yin and yang between what makes it special is not going all the time, but it's very special when you go, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I'm glad you guys had a great time. That's great. Just glad your Thanks. Eagles picked out a win there, too, for you. That always makes it that much better. Uh, you've been all over, man. You're doing the, uh, the Sportsnet. Cross Canada tour today must have been a big Blue Jays day because I know you were with Halford and Bruff. You're chilling with yep. Gunning and the guys in Toronto. What's been the what's been the mood? What have you been asked most about the Blue Jays? So I don't have to repeat your answers and questions for the next ten minutes. No, it, like listen, Mike and Jason are great in Vancouver. But what happens is, as soon as the game is done, you're already looking big picture. Like what's next for the Blue Jays? Yeah. And it's funny, it makes me think of the great Mad Dog Russo. I'm currently watching MLB Network on High Heat. Of course, still has this show on Sirius. He said one of the things that he misses about sports talk radio now, I'm not sure if you, you share this lament, he said, but the way talk radio has changed for sports is now it's, it kind of goes more big picture, meaning issues-based, and you go to as broad an appeal as possible. Whereas you know, something like our boy Steinberg, like he's literally breaking down every single shift in the Flames game. Like, yeah. How about that power play? At the three minute box. Like you, if you're a really avid sportsman like you and me, I think you love the minutiae. So, my point is when you're already going to, like, hey, what's next? I'm like, oh, I want to break down the game. Like, I, I want to do like 15 minutes on the game. And literally, let's talk about Berea. Let's talk about Vlad getting picked up, et cetera. So, that's why I'm so lucky the MLB Network is we can do 20 minutes on just the game. And then we'll do, of course, 10 minutes. Hey, what's next for the Jays? How do they improve their roster, et cetera? So, uh, long story short, the three things that I really want to get into with Ben and the guys in Toronto was obviously the Vlad pickoff, Chapman's double play, and Barrios getting pulled. And then with the Vancouver guys, it was kind of like, all right, what's next? How would you evaluate Shapiro and Atkins? Where is this going moving forward? That kind of thing. So whatever you like, buddy, you hit me up. Well, let's start with the Barrios one because, uh, and I've talked about this with a number of people, it's crazy to me diving into it because, uh, again, they didn't score. So I don't even know how much it matters, but it just it feels like there was just a – 
a, a plan that that was always going to happen regardless because John Schneider did not have an answer post-game ad. And I think that's what frustrated me the most was that I don't know that the Blue Jays had any answer to what did Jose Barrios need to do to stay in the game. The plan was always to take him out uh, when it came up to the lefty the second time around. And that's just a very frustrating approach. And I got to wonder what the Twins were thinking when John Schneider goes out there to take Jose Barrios out in that spot. Yeah, we're like, hey, the Twins are probably high-fiving. Like, oh, yeah. John Schneider himself said, logo, he said, Barrios had electric stuff. But I thought his comments were telling him that. He said, you want to second-guess me? You want to second-guess the organizational decision? Like, bam, there's your clip, right? It, this is not a rogue decision. This is not Schneider going, oh, you know what? He looks fantastic, but let's go to Yusuke Kikuchi. Clearly, this is something discussed with Shapiro, Atkins. Maybe John Schneider agreed with it. Maybe he didn't agree with it. I don't know that part of it, but... Harold Reynolds is very passionate with me on the air. He said, listen, I'm tired of it. Like, I know this is baseball in 2023. I get it. But it's frustrating growing up as baseball fans saying, man, I love when Randy Johnson goes wire to wire or Madison Bumgarner or Roger Clemens or all these great postseason pitchers. And now it's like, eh, give me three and a third and you're good. Like, what are we doing? Like, that's part of the essence of the sport is seeing a starting pitcher go deeper. And I know there's exceptions to the rule. I get that. If it's game five of the World Series and your bullpen's been taxed and you go, you know what, I'm going to use Mad Bum on short rest and bring it back, I got that. And he's good for 30 pitches. But Barrios was ready to go. He was healthy. He was amped up. He's facing his former team. He looked great. One guy reaches him that it. That's ridiculous. And as you said, it wasn't anything to do with him. It was, hey, any, any guy reaches after the third inning, go to Kikuchi and just mix it up, right? Righty-lefty matchup. And what I said on set to Yankee hitting coach Sean Casey, who's now back with us, who's the best, I said, I know it didn't cost him the game. You're not going to win a game. You don't score a run. Mm-hmm. I know it didn't cost him the game. But, and then right away, Harold goes, oh, it did cost him the game. Because he goes, it was a scoreless game. How do you know Barrios isn't going to double play? And that stuffs up their momentum. And he ends up pitching six or seven. So he goes, no, I disagree with that point. Because who knows you don't get a double play. The Jays do score a run. The entire game gets changed. Um, so I, I think it's, it's easy to second guess. But I was first guessing. In the moment, I said, come on. Like the Blakes now, people you know lost their minds over 73 pitches, one guy leading, even Joe Buck in the moment. Was like, man, that is an awfully quick hook. Now we're conditioned logo to go, yeah, that's kind of what we do now. Like you know, in a winner-take-all playoff game, a guy pitches three innings and that's enough. It, it's frustrating. I understand it. I don't agree with it. And it certainly didn't work out for the Blue Jays yesterday. Yeah, the days of the Roy Halladay complete game or anything else like that. I mean, that's the guy that I grew up watching at and during the – the awful days of the, I don't know, maybe not the awful days, but not the, you know, lean, uh, full stands that they are today at Rogers Center. Uh, there was the guy, you knew Roy Halliday was going up there, and it would have to be a, a hell of a day if he wasn't going seven or eight innings. And he did it when he was with the Phillies. And I just, that, that mentality is, is almost gone out of baseball. Like, I don't know that you'll see in the rest of playoffs, you'll see a guy go seven or eight innings for any team. No, I think you're right, man. Like, it's the only time maybe is the Phillies. I feel like, you know, Rob Thompson, fellow Canadian, by the way, proud of starting Ontario. Yes, maybe sir. he'll trust as Zach Wheeler or an Aaron Nolan. It's okay, you guys can go. Nolan yesterday pitched seven innings, which was nice to see. Wheeler's another guy that can go deep. But you're right. Generally speaking, that's not going to happen. And, again, Harold was very passionate. He made a great point. He goes, I'm tired of the manager saying it, too. We know it's not him anyways. Like When Kevin Cash got filleted, you go, bro, it was Andrew Friedman telling it. When Dave Roberts is in a couple of quick hooks for the Dodgers, like, again, look at the front office, Andrew Friedman. So don't go after John Schneider. I see all these Blue Jays fans say, Matt, say, Schneider can't manage. I'm like, are you joking? Like, maybe he's not the right guy. I'll give you that. Maybe he should be out of a job and Don Mattingly will be the manager next year. I'm like, that's a fair conversation to have. The Jays underachieved all year long. If you want to blame the manager, that's your prerogative. But don't tell me that decision didn't come from the top. Go ask 
Shapiro and Atkins, what they were thinking, because they're the guys that made that decision. A hundred percent. And you got to imagine that's, I, I, I personally think, and I know why it's gotten the, the reach it has, but I don't think there's probably a team left in the postseason, Adnan, or any team in baseball for the most part that doesn't give their manager in some way, shape, or form some sort of analytics-driven data that helps them with their day-to-day moves, whether it's bullpen or defensive, whatever it is. I don't think there's an organization that doesn't employ that nowadays. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean it's almost you have to think of a man who actually does have the autonomy to do what he wants, and there's probably only a couple. Like my yeah. buddy Alex Cora, I don't think Heimblum's telling him what to do. I think Alex Cora's like, no, we're going to have a conversation. We'll discuss it. But ultimately, it's my call. I've got the feel in the pictures. I think it's generally the case. You know, with a Dusty Baker, I think of the Astros. Again, I'm sure the front office is involved, but I think if Dusty feels in a certain way, he has that cachet. I would have said of someone like a Buck Showalter as well, Bruce Bochy. Like, there's a handful of guys. But generally speaking, you're right, especially these younger managers. Uh, they're being dictated to by, by the front office. And essentially, as a manager, you got, like, three jobs. The main one is a motivator for your team. Right? The second one is being great with the media. And the third one kind of ties diversity together, which is just being an excellent communicator. Like, if you can just communicate with all levels of the front office and with players and with the media, like, you're good. That, that's not to be disparaging to say these guys don't know baseball. Of course they do. But those other elements come into it. That's why I have so many friends who are managers, because they've all worked in, in media. Aaron yeah. Boone, Alex Corrett, David Ross, Terry Francona, Buck Showalter. Like, these guys have all been in front of the media, so we all know what it's like to deal with people, and that's how you understand those great communication skills. Like, Dave Roberts is unbelievable. I interviewed him last week. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, he is just so smooth. He knows exactly what to say. He's a smart guy. And the front office will dictate what has to happen. And, and maybe there's some pushback finally. But, hey, you know what, I'd rather do this. But ultimately, if you don't have a strong front office presence when it comes to analytics, you're not playing baseball in 2023. Uh, good news for Jays fans. They weren't the only one to be swept away. Every wild card series ends in a sweep. Any major surprises for you uh, as we get set for the uh, divisional series on both sides, Virk? Yeah, it's a bummer more than anything, Logo. I'm here at work. We're doing a show in about 40 minutes, and we're just going to be previewing the series coming up. I was hoping to at least have one live baseball game. You wait so long for the playoffs, and then two days ago, okay, well, moving on. But um, I think there's a couple surprises. The D-backs have made one for me. Like, I would have thought the Brewers, with their starting pitching, those three guys. I know Woodruff was out, but I still think that Burns and Peralta are more than capable of silencing a team, and Peralta had a no-hitter in the fifth before the um, – you know, the wagon fell off, so to speak. So I, I'm surprised the D-backs beat them. They're a good team. They certainly have a great offense. Corbin Carroll's a stud, Cal Marte. And I like their pitching, particularly Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly will start game one against the Dodgers at 9:20 on Saturday. But, yeah, Arizona, to me, a little bit of a surprise. Other than that, Phillies over the Marlins. I'm like, yeah, totally saw that coming. I think Philadelphia, that's the best division series coming up. Phillies Braves should go five games. I think it's going to be a whale of a battle. Um, you know, the Jays, I think, is a little bit surprising. I called Toronto to win. But, again, Minnesota – if they were going to win, it was going to be their starting pitching, and those guys were both awesome. Pablo Lopez is an ace. Sonny Gray was third in the majors in ERA. Historically, has been excellent in the postseason, got his first postseason win, but has a sub-three ERA in the playoffs. So that kind of went according to script. Like, for the Jays to win, their offense had to step up, and they did. So it was like, all right, well, Minnesota's starting pitching prevailed today. The only real surprise for me was, was Arizona. And the Rangers and the Rays, again, the Rangers have a great offense, and they showed up. The Rays, what's always surprising there is how sloppy they were. Four yes. errors in game one. Couple misplays in game two. That's a really smart, well-managed team. It was surprising how quickly they got bounced, and their offense was non-existent. I mean, this team, look, they won 13 straight games to start the year. They won 99 games overall, and they went out rather meekly when it came to their offense. Again, they, the Rangers are not known for their starting pitching. With Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Evaldi, I mean, if the Rangers can get performances like that, maybe they can make some noises clap, even if they don't have DeGrom and Scherzer. 
Uh, you interviewed Royce Lewis after uh, his good performance against the Jays. The Twins haven't been in this spot in a very long time. They've obviously got a tough opponent coming up in the Houston Astros. But what do you like about this Twins team if they want to make a run here this postseason? Yeah, Royce a great guy, very charismatic. I mean, listen, he, he was a high draft pick. Unfortunately, he's battled injuries, but now he's ready to go. And uh, listen, they're going to use the underdog mentality and say this for Vlad getting picked off. It was inexcusable. It's embarrassing. And, you know, I kind of tried to make the case. I said, maybe this is a dumb question. I said to Sean Casey, but maybe he's trying to get as much of a lead as possible. He's thinking, Bobachet base, and I tie this game. Yeah. But Sean Casey correctly said, hey, that's okay in your secondary lead, right? That means after the ball's thrown, the primary lead should not be that big so you don't get picked off. Once the pitch is thrown, then absolutely take a big jump. And if Bo gets a base hit, you're scoring and you're going to tie this game. So it's a long way of saying we can blame Vladdy, but get props to Minnesota. And we asked Sonny Gray after the game, he said, point blank, that was all Correa. He said, Correa in the first inning said to him, he's like, dude, we got something here. They can't hear it so loud. When the third base coach is yelling back, those guys can't hear it. So we're going to do this at some point. And they picked the perfect time. Correa called it. They go to the catcher. He went on pitch com. It literally just goes, pick off. And bam, they did it and it worked. So it's like, it's one of those plays. Like, if you're a base fan, you go, dude, that's a smart heads up play. And you can feel the dugout so pumped up. That's why Correa is so brilliant. And come playoff time, he's smart, he's heady. And, uh, it was certainly a really good play there for Minnesota. They were able to get that win against the Jays. And that's the thing. If you love playoff baseball, you love moments like that because it's, um, it really shows that there's such little things in this game that can make the difference. Uh, Phillies, Braves, is that uh, your most anticipated of these uh, DS series? Yeah, part of me says the Phillies can't possibly beat the Braves again. But then a part of me says, yeah, but the Phillies are a little bit better this year than last year. I think their offense stacks up with Atlanta. Atlanta does have the better offense, but with – Harper and Schwarber and Cassianos and a rejuvenated traitor. Those guys can still put up runs. Noel looked great after his subpar year. Same and we look together. It's a great one, too. Uh, bullpens are fairly much a wash, but we feel like it's a slight edge. Now, Atlanta has the better offense. If you go one through nine, it's ridiculous when Michael Harris and Orlando Arcia are like eight, nine in the line because they have so much with the most exciting player of the game in Acuna and Matt Olson leading the league in home runs and RBI. So Atlanta's formidable, but I think that's what's going to make it such a great series. I, I'd be shocked if it doesn't go five games. Maybe it goes forward. I'll be pleasantly surprised. But, yeah, on paper of the division series, that's the one that you can't miss. Uh, what's up on Cinephile this week, pal? Yeah, talking a little Cinephile, my buddy Adam Amin does a great job on Fox Sports. He's uh, actually going to be calling the Astros series. So we don't play by play on that. Obviously, old buddies from ESPN. We both love the Irishman, four-year anniversary. So I had Adam on to talk about the Irishman, why it's such a great Scorsese classic, discuss the performances of De Niro and Pacino and Keitel and Pesci and uh, – Telling people, hey, man, I know it's a little bit long. Maybe you don't like the CGI, but it's, it's an instant classic, at least for guys like me and Adams. We discussed that. Also discussed Dumb Money, a little uh, Wall Street movie here, talking with Paul Dano, and uh, that movie's currently in theaters. It's fun. It's silly. It's definitely got uh, some irreverence. So good episode of Cinephile. I encourage people to check it out. You're the best, pal. Glad you had a great time in Philly, my man. Thanks for hopping on with us, doing your cross-country uh, tour of Blue Jays' depression. But uh, we got you. Have a great show tonight. We'll talk with you next week, hey? Thanks, Logo. We went three for three. I appreciate it, buddy. Coast to coast. We're good. You're the best, Bert. Take care, pal. You too, man. There you go. Ed and Ed joining us. MLB Network, NHL Network, the Cinephile Podcast. <laughs> yeah, he did the Sportsnet Tour, 590, uh, 650, and 960 today. Uh, you can tell we like Ed and on Sportsnet. Uh, great guy. Uh, very glad he could join us on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. He's a Thursday regular here on Sportsnet today. We'll take a break, come back on the other side, dive more into the Calgary Flames. We'll hear from a couple members of the team uh, after practice on this Thursday. They're getting set for their final preseason game coming up on Friday against the Vancouver Canucks. They were in Edmonton last night. Roster's been trimmed. we got lots to get to 
As we close out the program, it's next. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, it's been a busy day. Whew. Flying through on this Thursday. That arena news. Talked so much about the Blue Jays. It's over, Taylor. We don't have to talk about it anymore. Oh, thank God. I just, you just feel stupid. Some, you know what I mean? You're just like, I, this is going to be different. It's the playoffs. Anything can happen. Nope. Nope. Exact same thing you we'll thought it was going to be. Playoffs? You playoffs. kidding me? Playoffs? Playoffs. I just hope we can win a game. No, they didn't. They can't win a game. <laughs> I just hope they can score a run. They scored a singular run. One. Run. They are in the same boat as the Tampa Bay Rays. It's just so painful. It really is. I was saying this yesterday that... It's it's funny how they're like, okay, you know, let's get the Minnesota Twins because it's going to be easier to win. And then they didn't win. Oh, this is it's it's the exact same thing. It was Flames. I don't even know how many years ago now. Oh god. Flames. It was either gonna be Dallas or Colorado. At the time it was like, we want Colorado. We want Colorado. It didn't go well. I just need to get this out. I've had to talk, talk to two people about it, but I just haven't had a sense to to just finally <laughs> just let it out, breathe it all out, breathe it out. So you mean the aggressive yelling text that I got yesterday about this game? I was not so you letting mad. it out. I was so mad. <laughs> I, I know better too. That's the problem of it, it's any sports team. Up. It's anything of just get in the playoffs and it can happen. No, you had 162 examples of why it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. You dolt. <laughs> why would you suddenly believe that they're just going to flip a switch and it's going to be different? No. Tough time for Canadian and Toronto sports franchises right now. Saw a tweet last night where it's like, the Blue Jays management has lost their mind. Raptors management swings and misses on Lillard. And they're saying their players are selfish. TFC aren't bad. They're just unwatchable. And then there's the Leafs. Nobody feels bad about Toronto here. You might be a Blue Jays fan, but you you don't feel bad about the Toronto sports scene. I guarantee the Blue Jays are Canada's team. I always say that I'm not a Toronto sports fan, uh, and Toronto Blue Jays are an exception because they are the only MLB team in Canada. It's the same with the Raptors. That's why we can cheer for them. It's because they're Canada's team, much like the Blue Jays. They're not... Toronto's team, they're, they're Canada's team, and they lean into that, which is very smart. <laughs> you good over there, buddy? Yeah, it's just... Just your rundown being... It, just, it was just the roller coaster. <laughs> just every week, I had to come up here and sell myself with this deal. They're, they won three or four. All right. Let's do this. Hey, we'll make some noise. They're putting it together. Next week, It's the no. playoffs. No. Take October. Took took five I, days. I really despise that. <laughs> and I did this. I said this a couple of years ago when I was producing. I don't know if it was Pinder and Steinberg or if it was the big show. I don't know what. But anyways, I was raked across the coals for being a, a Debbie Downer <laughs> on the <laughs> champagne celebrations. Yeah. That I didn't like fun and I didn't. Nobody likes fun. It's true. You hate fun. You're so a we know sad, this. sad person. And yeah. 
I can't stand those. It still <laughs> drives me crazy. So when they were in their little, in their room and they're all spraying well, the, champagne the over, goggles. we made it to the playoffs. Yeah, it just it drives me it. nuts. I'm sorry. We're gonna take October. Yeah, you you got t-shirts and hoodies, mm. and that was cool. But <laughs> is it just me? Is it still just me? I mean, uh, I get you celebrating care? that you made the playoffs. You know, it's an achievement in and of itself. Because the last time I swear, I swear to God, the last time I brought this up on air, I was just taken to the woodshed about being no fun and being a grump. And those might be true, but I can still hate the champagne celebrations for getting in to the playoffs. Am I crazy? Like, Taylor, do you, are you okay with the making the playoff champagne celebration? I'm It drives me nuts. I'm okay with it, but I think that. It it's a little excessive in in a way, like you're in the playoffs, but you haven't done anything yet. Yeah, so are a bunch of other teams. So are whatever two, four, six, eight, twelve other teams. Twelve. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean. <sighs> And now you look kind of, know, you look kind of silly now. You didn't win any. You scored a run. Like I've seen tamer celebrations after winning the NBA finals. Like the Nuggets won the chip last year and Jokic was out of the country within a few days. Yeah, like Jokic was, is a I mean, yes. Jokic hates dude. basketball. But they were that guy, celebrating yeah, that like in that room. Plays basketball simply because he's a large It's his 9 being. to 5. But they were playing, they were popping champagne the Blue Jays like they had won it all. That's what I mean. It's a, it's and it's a, a little goggles, much. It's, it's a little t-shirts, much. It's, it's, you've made the playoffs. That's, it's, only, it's an accomplishment. I don't want to take that away from it. This wasn't even what this is supposed to be about. I'm so, this isn't anything. This is just me getting on this. I just don't. Have a fun little now I, team now dinner. You, don't you feel silly about it now? Like, don't all those pictures and everything make you feel a little silly right now? Because I would. You know, there's a there's a certain mentality. I think these these teams could follow more. Um, you're up 2-0. What's the story? Are you not happy, or you're only half happy, or still to be happy about? You're up 2-0. Job's not finished. Job finished? No, I don't think so. Okay. You don't celebrate until the job is done. It's a little yeah, much. Somebody, somebody will tell you that a job is done. Okay, right? it, it is it is tough to make the playoffs. Yeah. It, see, and those, those Rick, every team does the celebration. So how can you call? I'm not calling out the Jays specifically for doing it. By the way, it, it's every team. It's cringe for every team for me. It's not just the Jays, but I'm, every team, every like, team that celebrated with champagne in the in the ALC uh, wild card, they all got swept. So I don't know. Go get your team dinner. Celebrate. Pat yourself on the back. Great. Good job. You did what you needed to do. You got to the playoffs. Now get it done. And then pop the champagne. And then pull your pitcher at a weird time. And then get caught at second base. Analytics and potentially ground into a double play. I think we should go back to when baseball was just about vibes. And you go based off of no analytics. Just this is happening. Okay. Sounds good. Those were the days. Let them sling. Uh, this always gets the text. I told you last time. It I always like the te- gets the text. Some of these line. texts are really always. good. 
that just proves how cringe baseball is. <laughs> Trevor and Lethbridge says, I can't stand the champagne celebration for making the playoffs either. Uh, this one says, making the playoffs is hard, but save the champagne for the championship. Soak yourselves in beer and do it without the media in the room. Uh, this one says, they backed into the playoffs. They didn't even win to get in. I also hate the champagne sellies. Logo slinging the truth. Uh, Harold and Diamond Valley says, they spent enough on that party for nothing that could... Uh, Money could go towards a right-handed heavy bat next year. Uh, again, Rick and Riverstone says, every team does a celebration. How can you call the Jays out for doing it? Again, it's for, it's not just them. I get it. Uh, what else? This one says, the Jays are celebrating getting a participation trophy. And this one says, celebrating the playoffs is like throwing a party every Friday after work because you made it to the end of the week. That's what you were supposed to do. Every Friday, we're bringing the champagne. No, we're not to the studio. <laughs> actually, I might be okay with that. That might actually not be a bad idea, guys. We did it. We did what we needed to do. Let's celebrate with champagne. Uh, we'll have a long off season to go through the Jays. Uh, but yes, it was uh, another disappointing end to a frustrating season. Uh, but we'll continue to have coverage here on Sportsnet nine sixty. Uh, again, we'll get into the. AL uh, and NLDS series coming up right around the corner here as all four wildcard series finished in 2 nothing sweeps. So some interesting series still to come. I wanted to fit uh, some more Flames talk in here with you. Didn't have a chance to get into the game last night because we started the show off with the arena news today. If you've missed it earlier today, uh, an announcement with uh, Premier Daniel Smith, Mayor Jody Gondek, uh, announcing the agreements are finally in place between uh, the city of Calgary, the province of Alberta, CSEC and the Calgary Stampede on uh, the new Rivers District, which includes a new home for the Calgary Flames. So we got into that back in hour one, but we haven't even had a chance to talk about last night, which was a 7-2 loss against the Edmonton Oilers up the road in Edmonton. Uh, you might think, wow, that's a very bad score uh, until you looked at the rosters that were sent out by both teams. It was a very young Calgary Flames team. Going up the road to Edmonton, a very NHL-heavy team responding for the Oilers. Uh, 7-2. I don't think fully indicative of the game. I thought the Flames had some good moments, but very much like the Flames' preseason opener against Vancouver, it's, you know, there was just a, a different level of skill between the two teams. I didn't think Dan Vladar had a tremendous night either. He was put in some tough spots as well. But 7-2 the final, now just one preseason game. Remaining for the Calgary Flames, it's usually used as a pretty close to full tune-up for the NHL squad. So we'll see what kind of lines and deep pairings we get for Friday's matchup in Vancouver. We do have some uh, roster news to send your way. Calgary Flames trimming their training camp roster once again. Lucas Siona, Jan Kuznetsov, Jeremy Poirier, Dustin Wolf, and Connor Zeri have been uh, assigned to the Calgary Wranglers while Sam Honzik has been returned to the Vancouver Giants. Uh, also, a couple of flames on waivers today. Uh, I want to get you those in just a quick second here. My computer quickly loads. Uh, Nick Simone, Emilio Pedersen, and Martin Pospisil placed on waivers by the Calgary Flames today, so expect them to be among the group being sent back down to the Wranglers uh, tomorrow once they clear um, waivers today. So, yes, Flames making some changes. There's been lots of talk about the Dustin Wolf situation. I, I know we had a couple of texts about that 
earlier. Uh, some frustration from Flames fans. Uh, I kind of like how Pat's prefaced this whole conversation uh, with Dustin Wolf and that I, I don't know that there was ever enough of a runway for Dustin in the preseason to totally take the backup job away from Dan Vladar. And it became pretty clear listening to Ryan Huska and the rest of the coaching staff early in this training camp, they weren't interested in playing the three goaltender role. Um, they didn't think it was helpful. They clearly know that with the waiver situation for Dustin not requiring uh, you know, to go through waivers to get sent back to the Wranglers, there's an opportunity for him to play hockey and that's generally the better thing for your development than sitting around and uh, being the third guy in at practice. So yeah, is it surprising? I won't say it's surprising because I, I was never under the impression that they were going to go with three goaltenders. I know some people would much rather have seen Dustin get the job over Dan. Um, but I don't think you can just, you, you, I don't think you can just discount Dan Vladar or simply just say, well, just get rid of him because Dustin's ready. I think that's poor asset management. I think you need to understand that Dan's still a, you know, fairly young goaltender. Uh, if there's an opportunity to get some sort of asset, I mean, you paid a third round pick to get him. If there's an opportunity to improve your roster elsewhere or to find a, a more, I don't know, beneficial deal for the Calgary Flames uh, in a couple months' time, I think that's fine. I do still think they're going to make getting NHL games a priority for Dustin Wolf, but clearly this team was not interested in going down the three goaltender road. And for Dustin Wolf's development, I think the better thing right now, if he's not going to play regularly as a backup behind Jacob Markstrom, it is to go to the Wranglers. And yes, he has, I, I can't argue with anybody that says he has nothing left to prove at that level because he doesn't. He's been an MVP. He's been a two-time goalie of the year. I, I don't think the results or the process of the American Hockey League matter as much for Dustin at this point because he's proved his worth. But at the same time, you kind of have to let the situation figure itself out with the, the goaltender. Sitting around as the third guy with the Flames doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them right now. It also doesn't make sense for them cap-wise to be carrying three goaltenders. So the Dan Vladar situation is what it is. I think he's a very good backup. I think he's a very capable backup who can win games for the Calgary Flames. No doubt. Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska are aware that Dustin Wolf is making that push and deserves NHL time. I don't think that that's missed by this organization in any way, shape, or form. But the fact of the matter is, heading into another um, NHL season that kicks off next Wednesday against the Jets, going into it with three goaltenders on their NHL roster just wasn't something they were willing to do. I was a bit surprised to see Connor Zary on waivers today, or not, excuse me, not on waivers, but assigned back to the Calgary Wranglers. Um, I've liked Connor's game the last couple of nights. I thought he played pretty well given the competition in Edmonton last night. He played just over 15 minutes, struggled in the faceoff dot, just going 25% there. Did have an assist on, uh, I believe it was Walker Dewar's goal, and I would have been interested to see him maybe taking that 4C spot, but as we heard from Ryan Huska last night in Edmonton, he wasn't sure that the 4C spot was one that benefited Connor Zary in the type of game that he plays. Sure, looks like we're going to see Cole Schwint 
perhaps on a line with Blake Coleman and Walker Dewar to start the season. That's going to be a big opportunity for Cole Schwint, who was also up in Edmonton last night. 16 minutes, 20 seconds of ice time for Cole. He also, excuse me, struggled in the faceoff dot uh, at just 33.3%. So just one more preseason tune-up for the Calgary Flames. Before you know it, the regular season will be here. They were back at practice today. Let's check in with the head coach, Ryan Huska, on this Thursday. Get his thoughts as training camp and preseason are quickly coming to a close. When you make the decisions and send some guys who are really pushing for spots back to the American League, what's the, what's the message that you leave them with as, as they head back? Um, different for different guys, but, uh, you know, uh, we felt like a lot of them pushed and they're close. So this is sometimes a harder day for us because, you know, they're all right there and, and you just you want them to continue to do what they were able to do in the camp for some of them. Um, so the challenge for them is to make sure they go down with a great attitude and be ready when called upon. Because really, when you look at it, um, you're never going to go through a season without needing to use um, a lot of your, your guys that are going to play for the Wranglers. So they need to make sure they're ready when their time comes. Based on the numbers, it's not a surprise that Dustin goes today. But specific to him, you, you've said you feel like he's an NHL goalie. Yeah. So as you send him back to the Myers, what's the message to him today? Um, you know, one of the things that we said to him was, like you see last night's game, we, we want him to be, um, when his time comes, at the highest level he can possibly be at. So um, if he gets that and when he gets that opportunity, he grabs hold of it and doesn't let it go. Um, but also understanding that, the reason why you got to be at the highest level is you see the types of shooters that are in the league by him being able to watch that game last night. They scored five goals on 13 shots. Um, so that's something for him to really keep in his mind just to just to help him make sure he stays eager and energized and, and push him to be at the, his very best. Was he receptive of that? Oh, very much so. They're, they're all great kids. You mentioned how close it was, guys are pushing. Uh, what What's Cole Schwint done just to create that little bit of separation to, yeah. to stay uh, up here? You, you know, the one thing that, that Cole has going for himself is size. I think that's important for us. I, I think when we look at that line that we're trying to form, um, he has some of the characteristics that we would want in, in a guy in that position. So we're, we're still making decisions at this point. So let's, Vancouver's going to be a great test for him again. Um, the key things are, you know, your face-offs. You want to make sure you're reliable. You can be trusted when you're on the ice in, in certain situations. So um, he's going to continue to get an opportunity. Would it be fair to call Cole a surprise so far during this camp? Uh, not, not really for us. I mean, you know, you see what he can do. I mean, last year, I think there were stretches with the Wranglers where he played well, and there were stretches where he was trying to find himself a little bit. But that is no different than some of the players that we had here. Um, they're trying to find their game a little bit. And I think he came in this year putting on a little bit of size. I think he he, he was in a position where um, the work he put in over the summer, I, I think he felt comfortable and confident that he would be able to compete for a job. And I think he knows where he's at. Um, so it's, again, um, we still have some decisions to make, so he needs to really push. You guys acquired him. He sort of said, look, this, this guy's an important part of the package we got yeah. in return. And I just asked Cole, and he, he sort of said, like, yeah, when you're traded with, with, with superstars, these, these amazing hockey players, like, it does motivate you because you want to be an important piece in the deal and not just sort of a, a side piece. Is that, is that a positive? Like, is that, that's pro probably a good thing, right? That he's motivated? By that. 
Sure. I mean, you, you want all the players to have, uh, you know, whether it's a little bit of edge or a chip on their shoulder that they don't just want to be, you know, he was also this guy type thing. Like, he's a good hockey player, and he's getting an opportunity now to prove that. Spoken about Nas's sort of tenaciousness in the offensive zone, but that skill set away from the puck in the defensive zone, just how valuable can that be for a team like that? Um, Nas, you said? He, he, well, he's valuable all over the ice for us. Like, he, he's one of the guys that is a driver. A lot of times we talk about how Nas always wants the puck on his stick, but when he doesn't have it, when he's at his very best, he's very competitive in regards to getting it back. So uh, he's got the ability to make people around him better in a lot of different ways. So he, he's a very important player for us. Um, good question on that one. Um, I, I think I, I, next time he comes in, um, there is no dipping your toe in the water. And I think the, for a young guy coming in, he gets a chance to sit on the bench and practice with our players. He gets a chance to sit on the bench and watch some of the players from the other side. Um, and I think over the course of his year, we want him to come back knowing that he's a guy that is capable of playing and not just being a body, a guy that um, you know takes charge, I guess, when he's here next time. So you know, we're, we're, we'll look for that out of him when he comes back next time. And is that sort of standard when he got so. first? Yeah. I think so. And they come in sometimes. It takes a real special person for an 18-year-old to come in with swagger and I can do all this and no problem. There's been a couple here in the past that have been able to do that, uh, but it takes a special person to be able to do that. So I, I think there's a little bit of, I'm just going to feel myself out a little bit at times here with him, and I think when we see him come back next year, he'll be a different player. Head coach Ryan Huska on this Thursday. Lots there on Cole Schwint, Sam Honzik being reassigned to the WHL, and on Dustin Wolf being sent back to the Calgary Wranglers. That's how we're going to put a wrap on today's show. It's been a busy one. Lots of Flames talk, arena news back in hour one. We played the press conference with uh, Premier Daniel Smith, Mayor Jody Gondak. So if you missed any of that, check out the hour one podcast. Hour two, Adnan Verk on all things Jays and the Major League Baseball playoff picture. And then, of course, uh, here finishing off the hour, checking in on the Calgary Flames ahead of their final preseason game it's friday night in vancouver one more tune-up before the winnipeg jets come to town october 11th to kick off the regular season thank you for listening whether live or on the podcast appreciate it as always thank you to adnan verk and show ali for joining us today and thank you to outstanding producers cam and taylor for their hard work we'll be back tomorrow to get you set for the flames and the canucks flames talk with pat steinberg and wes gilbertson is next Keep it locked right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.